episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. My guest today is HTSA trustee, Wes Hall. Nice to see you, Wes. Good to see you, Bruce. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so the first thing I'm going to ask you, just to sort of like ease us into it this week, is now you're an expert in commercial law. How did you get involved with the HCSA? Well, as a commercial contract and procurement yeah. lawyer for many more years than I can want to remember, mm-hmm. I was obviously involved in advising both private sector and public sector on procurement and commercial law and regulation. <clears throat> that got me working with bodies in central government, um, central government, local government, and of course the NHS. And that's where I came across quite a few of A, the issues in commercial contracts and procurement, Mm -hmm. and of course the bodies which were involved in in the the, uh, NHS. And my advice, of course, was something that spread right across the um, work that the NHS does. And in that course of that, obviously, I had, I hope, a good reputation for being able to see what the problems were and give the right advice that obviously uh, those organizations needed. And of course, the management and other individuals in there found useful. And that's how I suppose I became known. And before I knew it, uh, I was being tapped on the shoulder. And of course, I was very happy to be somebody who could contribute to the work of the HCSA as it developed itself. Um, obviously, um, so I'm just thinking, how long have you been a, how long have you been a trustee at the HCSA? I joined the HCSA board in February, 2019. Yeah. Um, and as I say, since joining the board, I've been very privileged to see a six-year-old representative body growing to be the voice of the NHS procurement profession in the UK. Mm. Acquiring its charitable company status in 2016 puts it on a very firm footing, I think, to progress this role. And something I hope my experience and involvement in several charitable companies before this will assist in driving forward. Obviously, it's the 60th anniversary of the HCSA this year. because of the nature of the world we're living in at the moment, we're going virtual with that conference, which is in um, November. We actually did a poll on the uh, Twitter account recently about whether people are looking forward to getting back to face-to-face or whether they've enjoyed virtual, the virtual technology. And actually, um, an overwhelming uh, percentage, 70, 74%, said that um, they're actually looking forward. They, they actually were quite happy staying with um, virtual technology, virtual meetings. So that... Mm-hmm. Um, all goes all goes well for mm-hmm. the um, for the conference being um, virtual this year, but it is the 60th anniversary, and so it's fun. It's it's kind of you know it's interesting that that's coincided with the COVID thing, mm-hmm. but um, it seems to me that that even though it, it, obviously it's been a very difficult period, it, there's some sort of strange synergy there that it has given the uh, NHS community the opportunity to really. Uh, show just how committed they are and how good they are at, at problem solving 
which I know a lot of Venice Ace Procurement people consider that's kind of like their, their key role is problem solving. And mm -hmm. certainly it's, it's never been more the case than recently. Um, so I'm just thinking, what, what do you, how do you think the NHS community handled, has handled this period and, and the role that the HCSA has played in that? Yeah. In one word, Bruce, hmm. admirably. Mm -hmm. um, my attendance at HCSA conferences, talking to HCSA members, corporate partners and HCSA officers has made me aware that there were latent problems in some parts of the NHS NHS supply chain, and who does get it right the first time. Yeah. And I think what the COVID-19 crisis has thrown up in sharp relief is the need for clear strategic action and leadership from the center mm -hmm. in these potentially problematic areas and times. Even more important, I think, in the face of the crisis and the heroic efforts that we've seen from the leadership of all parts of the NHS is the need for clear strategic action and leadership that's joined up by that, I mean leadership that can coordinate and unify these disparate parts of the heroic action and leadership into a strategy that succeeds in overcoming this crisis. And you asked me about the role of the HCSA. Well, I think the HCSA has so many absolutely um, knowledgeable and experienced people and on the front line. And therefore, the HCSA should be one of those actors that are consulted to assist in that strategy to solve this crisis and so far i think their contributions wherever they've come from from our own mark rostra chairman right the way through uh, has been valuable and i think absolutely timely given the crisis yeah. that we're in what would you say are the sort of major lessons to be learned from this or or is there maybe one major lesson to be learned from the last few months three lessons mm -hmm. i think for me uh, emerge mm -hmm. One, clear strategic leadership from the center is vital and correct strategy demands scientific anticipation of what lies ahead, not just a finger in the air, which a lot of people yeah. attempted to yeah. do. Number two is evidence to inform strategic action must come from those on the front line, like our HCSA members, because that's going to actually give us the evidence on which we're going to have strategic action which is successful because it feeds on actually what's happening third lesson is that any weaknesses in the supply chain must be immediately addressed locally and centrally if future disaster is to be avoided and consulting organizations like the hcsa and its members can assist in getting this right great and, and also i'm really interested to hear as your background's in the in commercial procurement law, mm -hmm. um, was there anything from that with that hat on that mm -hmm. has surprised you about the last few months? Well, I'd say the only thing that really emerges, and I would say this, wouldn't I, being a procurement <laughs> lawyer, is the surprising lack of procurement challenges given the volume and nature of the contract awards, mostly by central government up to mm. the present time. However, um, I think that this... Uh, will change in the near future as things normalize and the economic recession kicks in, where every contract award could mean the difference between the extinction or survival of a business. All I'd say is there could be some very busy procurement lawyers yeah. in the near future. Okay, that's, a, that's, very, that's put in a very uh, loyally fashion, if I may say so. Right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> understood. <laughs> um, 
okay so looking forward a little little bit before we move on mm -hmm. how do you how do you see how would you hope to see the hcsa um developing in terms of the role it plays in improving the lives of procurement professionals yeah well my hopes are for the hcsa to continue its development as the go-to voice of nhs procurement whether those queries come from central government the nhs department of health the media or anywhere else this pandemic crisis has shown how valuable it is to have an organization with the ability to speak from the knowledge and experience of what's actually happening on the ground in nhs procurement across the uk and it really shows that our HCSA members are the people who are who can speak with the voice of, of authority in relation to procurement in the NHS and how we take this forward and beat this crisis. Okay, so I want to move on to now to an issue that I guess has been there for a while, but it's one of these strange um, or perhaps perhaps unexpected offshoots. Of, uh, of the COVID pandemic. Obviously, there's been such a, a uh, lens put on um, its effect on frontline healthcare workers. Um, and in particular now, this is really kind of brought into the spotlight, um, the uh, BAME workers in healthcare. Um, because there's been a lot of talk about the, the disproportionate effect of COVID on BAME workers in particular. And so this has become something of a touchstone at the moment. I just wondered what's your, as you've been watching this, Wes, What's been your immediate take on that? Okay, well, I think the first thing to say is that what I'm about to say is my own personal view. Sure. And doesn't represent a concluded or corporate HCSA view. So having yes. said yeah. that, the first thing I do is to tackle the premise behind the question in relation mm. to workers, people of Caribbean, African, Asian heritage in the main. Mm. And the, the premise for me should not be, as some would have it, that uh, those of Caribbean, African, Asian origin are genetically disposed to fall victim to COVID-19. The yeah. premise for me should be that those employees within the NHS are disproportionately working in the most dangerous COVID-19 areas of the health service, whether that's the, 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 as porters, healthcare workers, nurses, consultants, and therefore have been disproportionately hit by COVID-19 infection and fatalities. Uh, there are other pre-COVID-19 facts which also have to be taken into account, mm -hmm. that some of these employees are also to be found living in some of the worst areas of housing in low-wage jobs, which militates against them not going out to work despite the risks. The inequalities mm -hmm. which were there before COVID are significant factors which also have come to bear on the disproportionate effect that COVID-19 is having on people, employees of Asian, Caribbean, um, African heritage and the communities they belong to. These people have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19, I think not because of who they are, mm -hmm. but because of what they do and where they're situated within the economic and job structure of the NHS and elsewhere. So you very much think it's a societal Absolutely. And I think as we go issue. forward and all of the studies are uh, show, I think it will uh, move away from the very simplistic notion that it's all uh, down to the individuals mm. and their genetic makeup and look at where they are within the economic and 
job structure and how those positions that they occupy has put them in a situation where they are disproportionately affected. So that's my premise on mm. that. And on that basis, I'd say that it obviously means that there should be appropriate protection given the uh, situation that they find themselves in in relation yeah. to COVID infection. So you don't, there's a, there's a kind of a, a uh, underground subtext Mm. of of the of the of the concept that in some ways it, that it, that is being sort of um put out there in certain mm. areas that because they're BAME healthcare employees yeah. they're falling down the list of importance uh subconsciously one would yeah. hope and imagine um do, do you would you endorse that or do you think you know, it's more of a societal issue rather than the fact that within the healthcare industry they're, they're falling down the list of um, parties. I mean, I, I, I think that what COVID-19 has done in all areas of society has highlighted the factors and the most important factors are the inequalities which have existed pre-COVID-19, which are now impacting on communities, people in uh, uh, in a way which actually reflects those pre-COVID-19 sure. inequalities and where those people are situated. So I don't think there's uh, been anything other than a realization that taking these factors into account means that we now have to address those yeah. factors which were there before in a way that we didn't before. And I think that goes for what we're doing within the NHS and the approach that's got to be taken to protect those people who are seen to be at the sharp end and most likely to be disproportionately affected mm -hmm. by this whole crisis. And do you think that's something that the HCSA can play a role in? Absolutely, because again, to return to what I've said before, mm. the HCSA has membership, a membership which is at the absolute sharp end of NHS procurement knows what needs to be done, has the ability to actually inform whoever wants to, to listen, whether that's in central government or elsewhere, as to how we can actually deliver what needs to be delivered to provide the protection, especially obviously in PPE and so on. So HCSA, as the voice of the NHS procurement professionals in the NHS, of course, figures centrally in informing the way in which we should be tackling these issues. That's great. Just to uh, finish off on, on this week's podcast, we like to sort of lighten it down a little bit, mm -hmm. send people off with a skip in their step okay. after they've listened. Um, so so I, I've always found that, as I, I've said previously in the first episode, I've always found that this, yeah. these are a couple of questions that I really enjoy hearing people answer, although again, mm -hmm someone was to ask me this question, I'd probably need about a week to think about it. Mm. I'm just going to spring it on you. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that is, so first of all, um, you're living in an alternate reality yes. where people are only allowed to listen to one album their entire right. life and yeah. are only able to watch one film okay. their life. What's the album? And then tell me what's the film. The album yeah. would have to be Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Okay. 
And Wonderful. Yeah. One of the yeah. the things, the reason I say that, there's mm. a track on there called Blueing Green, right. which for me is the epitome of serenity and tranquility. And also sums up for me the emotional range of any human being that you can possibly listen to that track and you'll hear mm. and feel all the things from joy to pain mm. that you'll ever come across because that's what music does so for me that's the album i'd take yeah. and that, that, that's the a track in particular that's a great answer i do know that song that is a fantastic yeah. answer okay that's that's beautiful what about the film the film well in these times i think we do need a bit of transferred transported reality and one of the great films i remember it was a, a friend of mine who came from america and said where's you've got to see this film now you know he's a grown lawyer <laughs> but he said <laughs> another grown lawyer he actually came over for the american bar association um, mm -hmm. meeting which i accompanied him to and he said there's a film called back to the future hey. and me, i thought this this is must be for kids but no yeah. I, I watched it and I watched it since that's the, the first one. And I must say, Michael J. Fox, Doc Brown, it's a fantastic yeah. story. The whole idea of, you know, going back into time and making sure that he gets his parents to actually get together mm -hmm. and at the same time, make sure he gets back to save his friend, Doc Brown. Yeah. It's the kind of hope, hopeful yeah. and fun film, which I think, everybody i always think brings a certain amount of joy which we need in these times as yeah. also giving a little uh commentary on how life can actually throw up a lot of things which i think a causes you to almost cry but at the same time gives you a lot of joy so yeah that's that's the film i'd watch the laughs and uh, everything else the great, great answers was Miles Davis and Back to the Future. A perfect evening <laughs> in that alternate reality. I, I hope it. so. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me, Wes, on the second episode Pleasure. of the TriCast. Uh, that's been Wes Hall. Uh, that that will do us for this time. And I look forward to you um, listening to the next episode in about a couple of weeks. Okay, thanks. Till then, bye. Bye.